Today is February 2nd, 2020, and the title of today's message is Coronavirus. Yeah! Oh yeah! Coronavirus. Now, if you've interacted with any news outlets lately, you're aware of the worldwide concern of this threatening virus called the novel or the new coronavirus. On December 31st, 2019, Wuhan which is a city in the Hubei province of China, became ground zero. Somebody say ground zero. Ground zero. For this strain of a virus that, while mimicking the common cold or flu, has led to 14,000 infections worldwide and the death of over 300 people in China, including uh, eight cases. No deaths in the United States, but eight. Out of 320 million, there are eight people who've had this virus here in the United States. The World Health Organization and the United States HHS have declared a public health emergency because of the possibility of widespread infection. Eight. Eight. We do have a slide for you. It's an artist's rendition of what the virus actually looks like. This is actual, an actual rendition of what a coronavirus looks like. I wanted to show you what the actual virus looks like when you look at it through a microscope, if you'll show the next slide. See, it's interesting. The mass there in the middle, and there's something that surrounds the mass of this virus. This is actual, this, this really is a picture of, the, of a coronavirus. The reason that the virus is called the coronavirus is of the corona, or the crown that you see that encircles the main body. That is the identifying mark of this type a virus. You know, your pastors realize something important. That that's always a, a an earth-shattering event. Wait a, Wait a minute. There's a correlation here. Remember, Pastor mentioned earlier that this virus outbreak in Wuhan, Hushai, Hubei, whatever it is, Hubei, China, occurred on December 31st. Well. On December 31st, we too became ground zero for something that's become incredibly infectious. (laughs) Talking about December 31st, 2019, leading into this year. It was an amazingly dangerous infection. One that is threatening the kingdom of this world. A wildly contagious infection of heaven that is purifying our priesthood. It's elevating our priesthood. It's establishing a perpetual priesthood. As Finney House rises within us. Amen? We are being infected with the pathogen of courageously confessing our sin. Wasn't that a powerful service last Sunday? Oh, but we didn't just stop there. I'm talking about that next strain of pathogen that called us to circumcise our hearts. So that we can actually conquer the unconquerable areas that reside within it. Come on, I have to tell you that this morning, uh, as we got together to study this morning, I heard about another coronavirus that's going around. It's actually going to happen today. It's a contagion that most of our society is preparing, partying, and pandering to. It's a child's game that grown men are sick to win uh, their own crowns for. It's an idolatrous infection, as a matter of fact, that can only end in a mass contagion, as a matter of fact. Yep. But it's largely undiagnosed in our time. So I, we just wanted to make you aware of that so radar. you can be careful because we heard that there is a lot of corona that's involved in this virus. But I am... <laughs> yeah! Come on! Homiletic blade. 
But I'm so glad that we're on a different path. Somebody say different path. Come on, we're on a path, church. We're on a path that is one that is conquering. It's overcoming. It's becoming the victorious church of the living God. And he has set us on the path of elevating our priesthood. A path that goes from a cross to a crown. That interpretation of the word corona. A path towards conquering. See, last Sunday message, last Sunday's message, Finneyhouse Rising, that led us to have the courageous act of confessing. On Wednesday night, we were led through the pathway of confession that produced circumcision. Did the Lord cut your hearts in that message? Because he cut your pastor's heart while we were preparing for that message. We realized there needed to be the next step that separated, separated us from our sin. And when we started Gilgal, we're able to go out and conquer and thereby return back to Gilgal. Having our reproach rolled away. Isn't it liberating whenever your sin is rolled away? That it's at a distance from you and no longer defines who you are? Let's go to Colossians 2 verse 11. Say victory whenever you're there. Colossians 2.11 says, In Him you are also circumcised in the putting off of the sinful nature. Not with the circumcision done by the hands of men, but with the circumcision done by Christ. Having been buried with Him in baptism and raised with Him through your faith in the power of God who raised Him from the dead. This was the scripture that gave us the trajectory of where we've been going. It's not just about the the confession of your sin. It's not just about the circumcision from your sin. It's about the conquering of your sin that results in victorious power being displayed in your life on a consistent basis. Amen. What we talked about on Wednesday was that confession produces circumcision, which leads us somewhere. It leads us to conquering that which was unconquerable before in our lives. Mm -hmm. That's what you should take from what we are and where God is moving us right now. We have a slide for you that I'd like to show you. See, on the left is that coronavirus, that thing that has been crowned. You see, what we're looking at is that we have a crown of thorns that is moving us towards a crown of victory. We have have a crown that was one on the cross that produces something inside of your life. So you don't just start in one place. You are supposed to be moving and walking towards victory. The goal of our lives, our everyday method should be that we are moving towards victory in every area of our life. This is what separates us from the masses, from those who say that they love the Lord, but never see any impact in their lives. They never gain victory in any area, but they, they stay in one place. See that, which is a contagion. For the convoluted and the conceited cohorts of the carnal and the contemptuous. See, they see what we do as something contemptuous. They see us as the contagion. But what we see is the very crown that is the goal and the aim of our lives and what we're doing. We see the crown of victory that God is bringing to us. Oh Lord, that we might be infected with this crown of thorns. That turns into a crown of perpetual victory. Let's look at this next slide. This is the picture that we want you to walk away from. We want you to understand that this, church, the point of the path that we're on is to produce the pathogen of the cross of Christ in our lives. The goal of the confession that produces circumcision 
is that we might progress to conquer and be victorious in every area of our lives. Did you feel the victory in this place this morning? Prophecies, healings, people being filled with the Holy Spirit today in our midst. This is the victory that God has for us. See, we thought we were going to do a good job. We wanted to teach you about the next step in it. But the Lord did a much better job during the worship than we could ever hope to do. He showed you that the goal of confession and circumcising your heart is not that you might stay in a bomb shelter position down here at the altar, but that you might rise up and be victorious. That you might walk and conquer that new ground, not continue to come back here only, never gaining the victory. The point of the walk, the point of the path, is that you can have a crown of victory in this house today. Amen. The Lord is helping us elevate our priesthood in this house. And so we can get an elevated crown. We elevate our priesthood so we can receive an elevated crown. You know, as, as pastors, a lot of times we interact with, with those within this church that are wearing masks. And what I mean is a false pretension and projection of an image they want us to see, but don't want us to see the real person that they really are. Ask them how they're doing. And I get all these surface answers. You know, the easy ones. Lord, our pastor, I haven't really been reading my word enough. And I've kind of been hard-hearted in these areas. But I know good and well there are deeper issues. And what those are doing, they're putting on a mask that is shielding you from being infected with the coronavirus of heaven. Keeping you from being infected with the heavenly desire to be holy. And once you pull that mask off, now you can receive from heaven what is needed to actually cure your condition. Not keep you from it. We've been purifying our priesthood in order to reach the goal of receiving an elevated crown. Let's all turn to Exodus 29 and we'll read a little bit more about this. Exodus 29 verse 1. Victory. Come on, shout victory when you're there. Shout it out. Now this is what you shall do to them, meaning Aaron and his sons becoming priests, to consecrate them to minister as priests to me. You know, when I was reading this and I saw the word consecrate, two things came to mind. Confession and circumcision. That the way that the Lord has prescribed his priests to be ordained and fit for service is that we begin with this separation from our sin. And it starts with a confession of our sin. The point of these steps was to qualify Aaron's and his sons as priests, not to disqualify them. When you're going through that process of consecration, yeah, you're going to come face to face with your real condition and what has to be cut away and separated from you. But that is for your benefit. That is for your qualification to serve as a priest and elevate your priesthood. That in this state, after being consecrated, you're no longer infected by the power of sin. You are instead moving from a crown of thorns to a crown of victory. A crown that signifies that you've been qualified. Infected with the holiness of heaven so you can receive that crown of victory. And stand rightly before the God and properly minister as a true ambassador of his name. Let's look at verse 5. You shall take the garments and put on Aaron the tunic and the robe of the ephod and the ephod and the breastpiece and gird him with the skillfully woven band of the ephod. See, here we're talking about taking the garments. 
Now these were specific garments for the priest and for the high priest in gen- and, and specific. But the righteous actions that we have have to be skillfully woven. Yeah. Look at verse 6. And you shall set the turban on his head and then put the holy crown on the turban. On. See, there's a preparation for this crown that has to come. You're going to set the turban on his head. This is the process, the pathway of being crowned with something of the heavens. The crown of the priesthood is a holy crown. Somebody say holy crown. Holy crown. A holy crown of victory. See, this is what God is intending, and he's putting it on the priest first. He's putting it on him to show, to demonstrate to the others. What has the Lord been calling us to? To elevate our priesthood. That we might be able to have the right crown, this holy crown of victory placed upon our heads, and that we might move and operate with this skillfully woven and well-fitted crown upon our heads. Let's see what this brings us to in verse 7. Then you shall take the anointing oil and pour it on his head and anoint him. When after the consecration that leads to being crowned, you now have the anointing of God flowing through your priesthood. Verse 8 says, You shall bring his sons and put tunics on them. You shall gird them with sashes, Aaron and his sons, and bind caps on them. You know, this isn't just about a personal victory. Not a personal victory for Aaron but a victory that infects our sons and daughters as well. Because whenever you begin to consecrate your heart and God begins to put the crown of victory on your head, that means that your sons and daughters that are attached to you know how to achieve that same victory that you are currently achieving. We're able to pass on an inheritance that is far worth anything that this world could ever purchase. The crown of victory is a crown of perpetual victory. Because it goes on to say, and they shall have the priesthood by a perpetual statute. Well, the Lord is helping us so much by directing us to scripture after scripture that is laying the foundation of how we elevate our priesthood in order to have a perpetual priesthood. A coronavirus from the heavens that is infecting our hearts with the feverish zeal to elevate our priesthood in order that we can receive an elevated crown. This is the goal at which the Lord has been directing this church, not just for a month, not just for two months. In fact, as Pastor Wade and I were studying yesterday, we found a message from one year ago, almost to the date. It was February 3rd, 2019. And the Lord was giving us then the same core and foundational elements that we are living and preaching right now. That sermon was entitled Band of Victors. See, we didn't start off in trying to match a calendar. What we're finding out is that the Lord is helping us to align this perpetual priesthood. He is helping us to walk through things. And apparently we needed the same thing on the exact same Sunday last year as we need today. Mm -hmm. See, that should be an encouragement to you. That should be letting you know that he is walking us rightly, that we are stepping where he's telling us to step, and we're able to advance in the pathway that he has for us. Let's all turn to Isaiah chapter 62. We've seen in the law how the priests were designed, that they were supposed to be carrying this crown upon their heads. They're supposed to be walking in something of an other nature, of a whole heavenly perspective. See, in Isaiah 62, and we're going to start in verse 1, say victory when you're there. For Zion's sake, I will not keep silent. For Jerusalem's sake, I will not remain quiet. 
Till her righteousness shines out like the dawn, her salvation like a blazing torch. See, you can't contain this contagion. You can't impose restrictions on this infection. This is going to be a vibrant kind of virus of the victorious kind. See, what this is, is you can't keep this silent inside of you. This victory that God has planned for you, the crown of victory that He wants you to wear, is not something that you can keep internal. This is clearly talking about God's people. The holy city of God, Zion, Jerusalem. But He's not only talking to them. See, He's planning on shining out. Somebody say, shine out. Shine out. Like a blazing torch. Somebody say, a blazing torch. Blazing torch. See, it's not only that it can be seen, but it is unavoidable. It is imminent that as you continue to walk down this path of confession through circumcision, that the conquering is the next step for you. This is the goal for you. This is the aim for you. This is what we are walking in. Not to be quiet, not to be silent, but to shine out His victory like a blazing torch. In verse 2, it continues. The nations will see your righteousness. Some of the symptoms of this heavenly infection won't be denied or misdiagnosed as something else. Whenever you have the infection of heaven within you, everybody can clearly see exactly the transformation that's taken place. What we said for years, you know you're born again when your mama knows you're born again. They see the change. They see the transformation that's happened inside of you. And all kings your glory. You will be called by a new name. Oh, what a hope there is in store for us. Meaning that having this heavenly coronavirus within us will be a crown of perpetual victory. The glory of God that is obvious for everyone to see that we've been infected by the holiness of heaven. And this will be a defining mark that is now a new name for who we are. Well, many of you in this room, you have sought to change what is attached to your name from the past. Yeah. In fact, my wife, actually when I met her, we all knew her as Autumn. Like the season. And when she was born again, she was so radically transformed that she could no longer attach her identity to that former way of life and that former name. She said, I want to change my name to Cassidy, my original first name, because I have been made a new creation. God has given me a complete renovation of my heart and soul. And the way that I live is evident for everyone to see that it's only the glory of God, and I got a new name as a result of it. Now, some of the name associations when it comes to infections and being sick. I want there, there is that, that attachment. You know what I'm talking about. Someone that is perpetually sick. Someone that can never find exactly what's going on wrong with their body, but they're always a victim of some sickness going on in their, bo- in their body. Oh, oh pastor, uh, I, I would go do that. Uh, I, I'm, j- I'm, <clears throat> I'm just sick today. Yep. I got bad knee. I got diabetes. I can't help you today. That one strikes a little too close to home. I'm getting hangry. But one of the defining elements of this church 
is the defining element of the real living church of, of God. And that is victory is supposed to be our defining feature. An overwhelming victory. It says, despite what my body and the symptoms that are going on, I'm going to take step after step of obedience and do exactly what God called me to do. I don't care how much it hurts. I have to live up to that new name and that transformation is occurring within me. See, that's the difference between having victory as your expectation and having the sickness that has been your name be the expectation. Yeah. See, this is, this is, unless you think we're only talking about physical ailments. Get it, Pastor. Unless you only think that we're talking about that, it, if you're not careful, you want to define yourself by your sickness. Yeah. You want to hold on to the sickness and milk it for everything it's worth because you've been afraid the whole time, and now you have the excuse not to do what it was that you wanted to, and needed to do anyway. But see, if you have the name of the victorious church... If you are wearing the crown of victory, you cannot be stopped by a sickness on a given yeah. day, by, yes. a, by a mental stress that you have, by worries that you have, and calling it by a certain name. Come on, what are you calling yourself by? What name do you define yourself by, church? See, I may have proclaimed to you last week, I confess to you, that I've been a coward. But you know what my name is today? It's not coward. It's the victorious son of God. Amen. This is what... This is what we do. That's why we confess. We confess. We cut it away. And we are what God called us to be. Amen. Come on, if we can get a hold of this. Y'all are sitting here kind of docile today. If you can get a hold of this. This will change the way that you walk. This will change the way that you engage with things. You get stressed out every three days. You get stressed out every three hours. You can't handle your situation. You fluctuate wildly in what you're doing. You know why? It's because you're not walking with the crown of victory that God has purpose for you. See, we can say the right things, but inside of our hearts, we can be defining ourselves by the wrong name. The Lord can give you that new name. And look at verse three. It gets better. Somebody turn to your name and say, it gets better. It's better. Woo! Look at verse three. You will be a crown of splendor in the Lord's hand. A royal diadem in the hand of your God. See, like Zion, you are designed to be a crown of splendor in God's hand. Like Jerusalem, you're designed to be a royal diadem in the hands of the Lord. Do you understand what it says here? This is the goal. This is what you're shooting for. Not that you will have a crown. Come on, that's that's good. Somebody say, that's good. good. We're going to shoot to have some crowns in this place. That is a good and right heart. This verse says you will be a crown. Come on, that will, you will be not only defined by this, it's not only your name, it is your character. You are the crown of victory that God has in his hand. So you're not defined by the specifics of your confession, but you're defined by the crown that comes as a result of the confession. So you're not limited by the fact that you've had your heart circumcised. But by you are becoming the crown that is in God's hand as you walk through confession and circumcision on into victory. Somebody say victory. Victory. Let's all turn to First Chronicles 29, verse 11. If you could put it up in the NASB on the screen. Say victory whenever you're there. Well, what pastor is preaching... That we're not defined by the specifics of our confession, but by the crown that comes as a result of our confession. This enables us to lift up our heads and give God glory for who He is and what He's doing inside of us. 
First Chronicles 29.11 in the NASB says, Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. Victory. Let me read this again. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness and the power and the glory and the, say it with me, victory and the majesty. Indeed, everything that is in the heavens and earth, yours is the dominion. What that should speak to us is that there's nothing outside the reach of his victorious power. Nothing. We are not victims. We are victorious conquerors. This word victory in Hebrew is Strong's number 5331, Nisak. We pulled this up yesterday as we were studying. And it came alive. It is the very thing, collectively, what God is speaking to this church. It first states that it is a goal. That with the Lord and the process he's doing in this church to elevate our priesthood, his goal, and thereby our goal, is 100% total victory. Amen. You guys see, we'll have this. You can have download this as a PDF after the service. By this evening, you'll be able to get these. And you will see that we have put a footnote, the new exhaustive Strong's Concordance. So if you're in the ministry training class, you could see that we are documenting where we got our, our information from. And we just copied it directly out of this resource. It says that it's the goal. We're talking about the word that was defined as victory in the NASB here in this passage. It is the goal. It is the bright object at a distance that you're traveling towards. It is the bright, shiny object like a crown that you should be keeping your eyes on so that you can understand that this pathway is putting you on a pathway, the goal of a crown of victory in this house. See, we didn't... We, we were begin to study. We had the idea for this sermon and we begin to study and we felt like God dropped this from the heavens to us. Yeah. This is a singular word that is translated as victory. It's also translated as a few other things that literally ties in most of our teachings for the last six weeks. Man, that's, that's an important word, isn't it? Yeah. Okay. Let's keep going with what it says here. The next one we have highlighted is confidence. Come on. When we, Dwell within that victorious power that God possesses, and we are wearing that crown of perpetual victory. We have confidence. What is that confidence exactly aimed at? That's having the confidence to be able to confess. That's having the confidence to have our heart circumcised. That's having the confidence to pick yourself back up, no longer be defined by what you previously did, but rise up like Phinehas and begin to conquer in the name of Jesus. First conquering your own thoughts, conquering your own heart, then conquering the gates of hell. Standing confidently that what God began in me, he is going to complete within me. Come on, anybody in this church need to walk in more confidence in your, in your walk with yes. the Lord? Almost every hand. And those who didn't, I don't know what's wrong with you. I guess you're confident that you don't need it. See, there's a confidence that comes from this. But look at the next word. The word can also be translated as continually. How can it both be victory and continuousness? The answer is yes, because you need to be (laughs) continually walking in victory so that you can see this. How is it victory? It's not victory if you just do it one time. It's not a victory if you just win today and you don't win tomorrow. 
It's not a victory to come down to the altar once and not be transformed. That's not the victory. Come on. The victory remains as you continue to walk in this. Your confidence grows as you continue to walk in the victory. These words are giving us a picture of exactly what it's like. The reason that you don't have confidence is you don't have enough continualness in your walk. I got victory. Yeah, but you're not walking in it continually. You're not staying in the word. You're not staying repentant. You're not continually circumcising those areas of your heart. And you're not standing up and walking in the victory that God has. This is not just the power of positive thinking. This is not us just going, come on, pull yourself up by your bootstraps. We are showing you a biblical principle that should revolutionize how you walk. That should change how you're doing. If you need confidence and boldness, this is how you get it. It's not just trying harder. Then that is only based on your strength and how much you can try. How long will that last? I don't know. How disciplined are you personally? But I can tell you, it's not going to be long enough for it to be continually. I can tell you, no matter how disciplined personally you are, that is not enough. That cannot replace the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. You know what I saw down here at the altar during worship? I saw an example of someone who was worried that the person they were going to pray for was not going to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I saw it. I saw it in somebody's face. Hey, come pray with them. What happens if I lay my hands on them and they don't get it? Yeah, that's not up to you. See, we're going to walk in victory. We're going to trust that what the Lord is saying, that as we're following his voice, as we're listening to the whispers that he has, as we're cultivating our heart, he's going to help us to do it. We're going to do it and we're going to do it again. And we're just going to do it again. And we're just going to do it again. This is what causes the crown of victory to be involved in your life. We start off with this definition, highlighting the word goal. And look where the end of this definition is. It's three words grouped together. Perpetual strength and victory. Come on, the Lord is shouting at us exactly what we need. Come on, that brilliant, bright object in the distance that you travel towards. When you begin to take steps in righteousness and there's opposition, there's hurdles, there's impossibilities in front of you. In your own heart or helping somebody else's heart. Our eyes have to be fixed on that brilliant object of God's victory in the distance that is worth every single ounce of effort for us to pursue it because our trust is in this. As we take steps of faith to pray for others to get filled with the Holy Ghost, as we take steps of faith to pray for others to be miraculously healed, as we take steps of faith to crush underneath our feet sin and spirit, His perpetual strength and victory is going to be right there to match it. Because it's not about us. It's about Him. It's about His name. It's about His glory and His victory that resides within us. Come on, don't we turn turn out like Peter sometimes? We have the faith to go walk on the water, but then we get distracted by the waves. Anybody had waves this week? Waves of physical sickness? Waves of enemies coming against us, trying to take out our family? Waves of the different things. And we, what happens to us, though, is we get distracted. Our eyes move to the very things that are attacking us instead of staying fixed on the one who can help us. See, yeah. this is the goal. It's victory. Yeah. The goal is victory. Yes. Our aim is victory. Our pathway is leading us to victory. Why are you doing what you're doing? To get us to victory. 
Not to just talk about it. Not to just wallow in the difficulty. But to overcome in our lives. Amen. Come on, let's turn to 2 Samuel chapter 12. Let's look at what it looks like to be an overcomer. 2 Samuel chapter 12. From our teachings on Monday night. Let's look at verse 29. Come on, he's going to help us today to get victorious in this place. Amen. To change your name, to change the way you look at yourself. To change what you're focusing on instead of the waves, you're going to focus on the crown that's before you. Yeah. Verse 29, so David mustered the entire army and went to Rabbah and attacked it and captured it. Yeah, but he didn't just stop there. He didn't just stop there. He took the gold crown from the head of their king. He took the sign of royalty from them. Its weight was a talent of gold. That is a heavy, heavy crown. Yeah, it is. And it was set with precious stones, and it was placed on David's head. See, what happens is, is that when you go and you're victorious, you're able to take the crown that the enemy had in his hands. You're like, nope, I'm going to take that. That one was designed for me. That's a victorious thing that was designed for me. You're not going to get to keep it. It may look too big to be even be put on somebody's head. A talent of gold. That's somewhere, some people think that might be as much as 75 pounds. Yeah, no, there's a weightiness that comes when you get your divine crown and going in the right direction. There's something that's weighty and regal about it. See, it wasn't even just gold. There were some precious stones in that. Come on now, what crown do you need to go out and just get? That you see right before you. you got to go get the crown of victory just like David did. Amen. Turn to Esther chapter 8. We'll start in verse 13. Say victory whenever you're there. A copy of the text of the edict was to be issued as law in every province. And made known to the people of every nationality so that the Jews would be ready on that day. To avenge themselves on their enemies. Come on, pastor just got through reading from 2 Samuel. About David's restoration. And it was the result of him rising up and being the king that he was called to be. Claiming that crown from the enemy. And here we see in the book of Esther. That a copy of the uh, the text of the edict was being issued. Because it was making them ready for the day. they They would avenge themselves to their enemies. Come on, we are constantly putting our face before God's word. Constantly preparing our hearts for victory. An anticipation of victory. Verse 14 says, the couriers riding the royal horses raced out, spurred on by the king's command. There's an urgency that we are trying to stir up within this house. And that's an urgency to go and pursue victory. And victory at all costs. And the edict was also issued in the citadel of Susa. Mordecai left the king's presence wearing royal garments of blue and white, a large crown of gold, and a purple robe of fine linen. And when we are attaching our lives and our hearts to the edict of the king, to his commands, what's the result? The result is that you are clothed with royalty and kingship carrying his name upon your shoulders to go carry out as well. As we rise up as men and women in this house to be the men and women that God has called us to be, we are going to curb stomp depression. We're going to destroy every bit of discouragement. 
And we're going to be the victorious men and women of God. Because you know what? That's the true living church of God that has always been. It's up to you to join that victorious attitude. And when we are sitting right now in the fulfillment, the continual, the perpetual fulfillment of a year of prosperity. We got kids coming out of all the walls and buildings that we have. We're overflowing with a plethora of perpetual parenthood. Try to enumerate that all together. But do you realize that that wasn't an easy object to obtain? How long did we struggle? How long did we overcome miscarriage after miscarriage? But we are standing right now in a place of victory. And then our children serves as a sign, as a crown of perpetual victory upon our heads. And that's only one facet. There's still more to go. There's still marriages to elevate their priesthood. And there's still singles' ability to rejoice in the fact of being single as they elevate their priesthood. Because victory is the goal that we're after. Come on, let's turn to Psalm 149. Psalm 149. We're going to start in verse 4. But as you're turning there, you want to know one of the things that defines our church? I mean, we have, we have worked to put some of our most important sayings around you so that you see them. Have you already kind of started losing perspective? It becomes just part of the decorations, doesn't it? See, but if you're not careful, you miss out the fact that, that, that we're one life that moves into one family that becomes one nation. You want to know one of the attitudes that defines who we are? It's not yet on a placard on the wall. It is an attitude that says we will be victorious if we continue in doing what he says. You might think it's about our studies. Yes, we hope to be both anointed and scholarly. See, you might think it's about a lot of things. But what we are trying to do is build a group of people who have this singular thought. I can win. I want to win. I will win as God enables me to do so. This is what God is putting within us. Look in Psalm 149 and see how this uh, continues to work on our behalf. 149 verse 4. For the Lord takes delight in his people. Somebody say delight. Delight. That word not only means delight, but it means one who pays off your debt. Come on, man. Woo. He takes delight in paying off your debt so that you can be his people. He crowns the humble. Oh, look at there. Look at what verse 2011 says. He crowns the humble with victory. You know what the word is there in the Hebrew? Yeshua. He crowns the humble with salvation. Your salvation is your victory. Yeshua is the victory that is in your life. Let the saints rejoice in this honor and sing for joy on their beds. When was the last time that you're just laying there in bed and you just wake up in the morning? You know, when you have, we have so many little ones, right? I love morning time with little bitties. They're usually happy. They're snuggly. Right? They finally got in a good night. They look like an angel when they're sleeping. Maybe something else when they're awake, but an angel while they're asleep. See, there's something about it. When was the last time you just sat there and went, whoo, Lord, I'm going to rejoice in the fact That you crown the humble with salvation. You crown those who are humble in you with victory. I can sing for joy right here. It's first thing in the morning. My eyes are just awake. And I know there's an alarm going off. But it makes me happy to wake up this morning. Because I have the joy of the Lord. Look at verse 6. May the praise of God be in their mouths. And a double-edged sword in their hands. Wow. We can both sing and fight simultaneously. 
Because the singing is supposed to move you to have that sword and go after the enemy some more. What the Lord has done, He will continue to do and do even more as you set your eyes on this crown. Listen to what the double-edged sword does to inflict vengeance on the nations. Punishment on the peoples. I've been praying through Psalm 136 for the last weeks or so. Give thanks to the Lord for He is good. His love endures forever. It's part of me going through a gate of praise. I have to kind of discipline myself. And as it's going through, it's saying, yeah, he'll, he is the one who destroys kings. Yeah. His love endures forever. He's the one that annihilates the enemies. His love endures forever. Yeah. It is both a song of joy and a sword in your hand. To bind their kings with fetters, their nobles with shackles of iron. To carry out the sentence written against them. What does that sound like? Overwhelming victory. Yeah. And you can sing about it even before it gets there. You're singing about it to put the sword in your hand that you might walk with this crown of victory. This is the glory of all His saints. You want to know what glory is? Walking in victory. You want to know what glory is? It's having the sword in your hand and accomplishing what God put before you. Man, this is the glory of us here in this room. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm hearing pastors speak about this passage. I'm hearing about something that's infectious. Victory is infectious. That when we're infected with the heavenly coronavirus, we're wearing that crown of perpetual victory. What does that do for the person next to you? It gives them hope. It gives them the ability to look at their situation and say, God can do for me exactly what he did for them. Coming back to our children that fill this church. Do you remember the eruption of victory that happened when we heard that John and Joy were pregnant with Sarah? Everyone came out of their chair. In fact, we had to repair about five or six chairs after that service because people were standing on them, jumping up and down in victory. And that is well worth the cost. And after that point, we begin to see more and more victory in everyone's lives. Well, we are elevating our priesthood so we can receive an elevated crown and give that victory to others that are struggling to find victory in their lives. Let's all turn to Acts chapter 7. We'll look at verse 55. Get it. Victory. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, I can't wait to meet this guy. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, looked up to heaven and saw the glory of God. Which direction did he have his face pointed? Heaven. He was infected. Infected with a heavenly coronavirus. Lifting up his eyes, he knew where his victory would come from. Even though his body would perish, he knew he would stand crowned before the King of Kings. And Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Look, he said, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. By having that heavenly coronavirus inside of him it enabled him to see what no one else could 
enabled him to look into the heavens and see the Son of God standing at the right hand of God. That the Son is standing next to the right hand of the Father. What do you think is upon the Son's head? A crown. A crown of perpetual victory. Stephen fixed his eyes on the perpetual victory that originated with the King of Kings. And enabled him to have a perpetual victory that we're still talking about 2,000 years afterwards. Look at verse 57. At this, they covered their ears and yelling at the top of their voices, they all rushed at him. Let's not pretend like you've heard this story a bazillion times. Put yourself here. Stephen says, look, I see heaven open and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. We see that as such a regal comment. And their response was to cover their ears, yell at the top of their voice, and run towards him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him, to kill him with rocks. Meanwhile, the witnesses laid their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. See, when you are infected in every area of your life with the crown of perpetual victory, you are able to stand no matter who is rushing at you. Isn't that what we've many people in this room have experienced this week? Haven't you experienced the enemy? I don't want to hear that yelling at you to try to distract you and running at you that he might keep you from being victorious. Man, we got to steal this away before they realize the pattern. Before they realize that when you confess and circumcise that there's a conquering that's coming, we got to stop them from something. We got to impact their life. We got to derail them quickly. Hurry. Come on. These other men were maddened by the effects of their uncultivated, unconfessed, uncircumcised heart. It made them mad. It drove them crazy because of the infection that they had. They were rabid. They were feverish. They were diseased with hatred towards Stephen. Why? Because Stephen was a crown in the hand of the God. Stephen was a crown in God's hand. And they were maddened by their fevered look at him. Church, this should start to give understanding to some of you in the last few days, to some of you in the last few weeks or seasons of your life. Of course, things come at you and they're maddening. Yeah, because these people are infected. But see, we're infected with something different. The contagion that we have is causing us to work towards the crown of victory. A crown of perpetual, ongoing, continual victory that God has for our lives. Let's look at verse 59. Verse 59 starts with, while they were stoning him. You know what I'm, I'm hearing in this whenever we read it? Is that whenever your eyes are fixed like Stephen's on the crown of perpetual victory it is expected that those that are infected with an uncircumcised heart are going to throw stones at you. I mean, just evaluate some of your own hearts. When you, at one point in time in the past, stood next to other confident and victorious men and women of God, you found your heart reacting in a way that you're really not proud of. You begin to throw stones at them, maybe just within the confines of your own heart and mind degrading, tearing them down, criticizing them because there's no other way for you to make yourself feel better about yourself. But that's not victory. Victory is taking God's word and 
running a spear through that uncircumcised area of your heart so that you can participate in the same victory that Stephen did. So that you can have stones thrown at your body, at your face, ruining your reputation, and you are confident that God will uphold you with his resurrection power. Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he fell on his knees and cried out, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. Come on, while stones are being thrown at Stephen's body, his cry was for his persecutors to inherit that same crown of perpetual victory. Lord, help them achieve what I am achieving right now. That's not what naturally comes out of our hearts. Oh, it's Lord, burn them. May they receive full judgment, heap upon heap. Crush their hairy crowns. We can't even hardly handle someone correcting us within the body of people who love us. Who are they to correct me? Wow. You think you're going to do this, what Stephen did? Fall on your knees as they're killing you and pray for them? Yeah, see, we are going to have to understand the confession that leads to circumcision that produces actual victory in your life. You have to continue to work towards this. You know what Stephen's heart really was? His heart's cry was that their hearts would have the same courage to confess. His heart was that they would have the same courage to be circumcised and exchange their crown of thorns for a crown of perpetual victory. Well, what it must have been like to witness this. And we know as the story goes on, there was a young man standing there collecting everyone's cloaks, giving approval to his death. And Stephen's cry was answered. We have epistles that are perpetually feeding our soul as a result of Stephen reaching and striving for a crown of perpetual victory. See, Stephen was a crown. I want to show you this slide. The word Stephen in the Greek is Stephanos. The word Stephanos means a crown. See, literally his life was a crown of victory. Literally what the Lord was doing was taking Stephen and making him a crown of victory within his hands. Our lives are going to be a crown. Our lives are going to be a crown in this place. But this is the level of crownship. The crown of victory looks like Stephen's life. Church, when you can't take correction and say that you want to live like a crown and have a crown of victory, you're fooling yourself. See, God is causing us to confess, then circumcise, then we get the crown. Come on. See, this is the pattern. This is the pathway that God is laying out for us in this place. We have to move beyond saying, hey, it's like anointing oil poured on my head when a righteous man corrects me, when he strikes me, and in our heart rebuking it and refusing it. We have to do more than say, I want to be a crown like Stephen. And not even die to the smallest things in our life, much less give our entire life. See, even though death was before him, he elevated that crown and was victorious eternally. His life, 
his name, his essence, his actions are a crown that we can see. What kind of crown do you want on your head today? Back when I was a kid, you can go to Burger King and they would give these paper cardboard cutouts of a little crown for the Burger King. And you could put them together and you could wear your little flimsy Burger King crown. Of what quality is your crown today? Mm. Mm. Are you building a crown for yourself out of cardboard? Cutting it out? Maybe even decorating it? See, the crown that we're talking about looks like Stephen's crown. The crown that we're talking about has the divinity of heaven upon it. It's got a weightiness to it. It's got a substance to it that you can just look at it and see that it is something that is precious. Come on, church. What quality is the crown that you're actually earning right now? See, because you're supposed to be a crown. You are going to be a crown as you work and allow him to continue to cultivate your heart. As you work through these things, as you begin to elevate your priesthood, you get to change the very material. You're not being made with with wood or hay or straw. You're being made with gold and silver and precious stones. There's something about the construction of your life that says you are a crown that is fit for a king. It's fit for the king. Let's turn to Revelation 2. We're going to find some very clear steps of how do we achieve that crown of perpetual victory. Verse 10. Do not be afraid of what you're about to suffer. That's step one. Conquering fear of what you're about to endure as a result of just being obedient to God's will. What that requires is a circumcision of your heart. Removing from yourself that trust in your own strength. Removing from yourself that fear, that cowardice. I will not be defined by this. I have received a new name. I have the goal set before me. Of victory. So fear, you will not play a part in my obedience to the king. I refuse you passage. I refuse you to have anything to do with my discernment or my obedience. Remove fear. I tell you, the devil will put some of you in prison to test you. And you will suffer persecution for ten days. Be faithful. Whenever I say be faithful, be faithful. So we removed fear out of the equation of our obedience. Now we are purposely being faithful to take one step of obedience after another that is heading towards victory. You know what? I just don't know what to do about this situation in my home, this decision to make. My mind is too foggy. I'm I'm clouded. I'm going to put my face before God. I'm going to get rid of fear. I'm going to stand up and be faithful to exactly what he told me. But you know what? The situation doesn't present itself as victorious all at once. The Lord hasn't clearly shown me how I'm going to get victory. Yeah, he doesn't need to. Because he is victory. If you're doing his will out of obedience, it's guaranteed. You just have to persevere whatever amount of time that it takes to obtain it. When you are infected with the coronavirus of heaven, your faithfulness is not fickle or fleeting in times of testing. 
Instead, you are willing to relinquish all remedies to spare your own life in order to obtain the crown of life. Because that's how this verse ends. Be faithful even to the point of death. And I will give you a crown of life. And that crown of life is a crown of perpetual victory. Saints, we are elevating our priesthood. In our conversations with you and what we have done publicly, I see many in this church stepping up to elevate their priesthood. And our encouragement over and over and over again this morning is that there is a goal in store to be had for that elevating of your priesthood that's so that you can have an elevated crown. You can throw away your cardboard and paper Burger King crowns. Those things fashioned by the hands of men. Your deeds only done in your own strength. We're going to throw them away. There's a a greater crown to be had that as we elevate our priesthood, I'm looking forward to a weighty crown of His presence. I'm looking forward to the authority of God resting upon this ministry on your shoulders, upon your heads, that when you make discernments, when you speak, is the very words and the will of God taking place on earth. Amen. Let's turn to 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, and we're going to look at verse 4. We're beginning to close. We have just a few more scriptures that we want to share with you. We have just a little bit more, so you need to stay with us that we might be victorious all the way through. See, what the Lord is doing in us is He's trying to help us. He's trying to work something into us. He's trying to get us to understand that the goal of this is victory. The goal of this is to move forward. The goal of this is to overcome. Look at 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 4. It says, and when the chief shepherd appears... See, the verses before this are speaking to shepherds, to elders, and admonishing them on how to do this rightly. Not to lord their authority over people, but be serving people. Not to be greedy. And he's saying, because if you do it rightly, then when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the crown of glory. Somebody say, will receive. Will receive. There's no ambiguity in that. This is a promise made that the chief shepherd, when he appears, you will receive the crown of glory that will never fade away. See, if you're speaking to shepherds and elders about rightly pastoring their flocks here in this passage, God is speaking to us today as shepherds, as elders in our own homes to rightly pastor, nurture, cultivate the soil of our hearts and the soil of our families. See, but we get tired. We get discouraged. We don't actually believe that victory is imminent. The word imminent means that it will happen and it will not fail. You cannot stop it from happening. It is imminent. What happens if you have to fight for more than a day? More than a week? More than five years? What if you have to keep fighting for ten years? The victory that God has for you is still imminent. Every day that you don't see the victory fully won in you and you keep pressing forward is a crown of glory for you. A crown of victory that is still ahead is what you are showing faith in. Church, we've got to do this. The goal that is out there before us, the Hebrew word, Nassah, the goal, that bright object that's before us is the crown of perpetual victory. We have to continue in this so that our confidence may not be lost that we can get to the crown. 
in the Amplified, this verse says this, and then when the chief shepherd is revealed, you will win the conqueror's crown of glory. Yeah, see, but you don't get to be called a conqueror unless you've gone through the confession, unless you've gone through the circumcision. Then you get to be able to conquer that which is unconquerable. You can't be a conqueror if you fail to continue in what God has for you. Come on, church. we got to continue in the right attitude today. we got to understand we're just barely getting into this. We're seeing how God, someone said it this morning, like Easter eggs through a movie. They drop all these little hints, and if you're really, really keen, you see them. We see that God has been dropping Easter eggs for us. He's been dropping hints all along the way. It's not an Easter egg. It's Him weaving His story in our lives. We're seeing the idea of elevating our priesthood that the Lord has been speaking to us not for weeks, but for years. We see it laced throughout, and this is what He's going to do, is that we can trust that we will win the conqueror's crown of glory when He appears. Church, are we going to be victorious? I mean, are we going to be victorious? It's a reason for us to hold our heads up high. Leviticus 26, 13 says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt so that you would no longer be slaves to the Egyptians. There was a goal that he had in mind, and that goal was victory. I broke the bars of your yoke and enabled you to walk with heads held high. Come on, get it. Look at Philippians 3, 13. I'll just read it to you. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it. I'm still fighting to get the full victory here, but I'm walking towards it. But one thing I do, forgetting what is behind. Come on, what a good word for us in this house today. Forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I will continue to fight because I can see the crown of perpetual victory right before me. I press on toward the goal. To win the prize. What do you think the prize is, church? It's the crown of victory. The goal to win the crown for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. we got to strain forward. we got to forget what's behind. And we've got to go after that crown today. Well, Paul also writes in 2 Timothy 4.8, Now there is in store for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award me on that day. Does that sound like confidence? Yes. Does that sound like perpetual strength and victory? And not only to me, but also to all who have longed for his appearing. Come on, you know what this house is filled with? It's filled with those who are longing for his appearing because it's at that time I'm going to receive the crown of perpetual victory. Come on. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial, who can continue to press forward. Because when he has stood the test, somebody say, stand the test. Stand the test. He will receive the crown of life. It's before him. He could see it. He will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. Anybody in this house love the Lord today? Yes. Come on, then he's promised you a crown, but you have to stand the test. You have to press on and forget what was behind so you can receive the crown of life. 1 John 5, 3. This is love for God. I love John. He always speaks very pashatly, very plainly. This is love for God. To obey His commands. And His commands are not burdensome. You know why His commands are not burdensome? Because they elevate your priesthood. 
You know why his commands are not burdensome? Because they're actually the means in which you're liberated from your bondage to your sinful nature and enables you to wear that crown of perpetual victory. For everyone born of God sometimes overcomes the world. Most of the time. No, the true and authentic sign of somebody born of God is that they are perpetually overcoming the world. They are perpetually overcoming their sinful nature. This is the... This is the... That has overcome the world, even our faith. The goal of being born of God is to obtain a crown of perpetual victory. Amen. Revelation 4, 9 says, When the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to Him who sits on the throne and who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever, and they lay their crowns before the throne. Come on, church, what are you going to have to lay before the one who sits on the throne? Wow. See, we could have done this and we could have talked about and taught you on all of the crowns that the Bible says. The crown of life. The crown of righteousness. We're saying they're all just the crown of victory. And even these heavenly people who are sitting around the throne continuously, you know what they do when they think about God's greatness? When they think about His strength? When they think about His power? They lay down and they're like, yeah, I know I have a crown, but you're the one that gave it to me anyway. I am laying it before your feet. This is what we want to do. I want to not only earn a crown, I want to be able to lay it at His feet one day. I want to be able to say, yeah, all this was because you enabled me anyway. I'm laying my crown before you. I got multiple crowns? Great. I'm laying them all before you. Revelation 19 verse 12 says this. His eyes are like blazing fire. And on his head are many crowns. (laughs) Why would you wear many crowns? What would that look like? He is wearing the crowns of all of those of us who have given our life to him, who have laid down our life before him, who have done exactly what we walked into the crown of victory, of perpetual victory that he had before us. And we get to present it to them, to him. And he wears them all. His eyes are like blazing fire and on his head are many, many crowns. Come on, are you going to have something to give to the Lord? Are you going to be able to give him a crown of victory because you walked in victory? Come on, on, that's what we want today. Let's all go to Hebrews chapter 12. We'll start in verse 1. Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. You know that great cloud of witnesses? You know what they're wearing? Crown of perpetual victory. And how did they get it? They exchanged their crown of thorns, relinquished all control of their own lives, entrusted themselves to the one who judges justly, because the goal was to obtain a crown of perpetual victory. That right now, there is a great cloud of witnesses who have done and completed the very thing that we're preaching about this morning. You know what that should say? It is possible. Because every man and woman in the word that has risen and achieved obtaining that crown of perpetual victory, they're no different than you and I. 
they just had a determination to pursue the kingdom of God with all their heart, no matter the cost. Oh, my heart longs to be like Stephen. Not just a man full of the Holy Ghost, but a man completely emptied of himself. A man that's reaching for a perpetual crown of victory. Let us throw off. Say throw off. Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. That's confess. That's circumcise. So you can, so that you can actually run to go conquer the unconquerable areas of your heart. This is throwing off that crown of thorns because you know that the replacement is far weightier and better. And let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy, say joy, joy, who for the joy set before him endure the cross, scorning its shame. It is our joy to courageously endure the crucifixion of our sin. It is our joy to courageously stiff arm the shame of confession and circumcision so that we can be seated with Christ who is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. The verse continues, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Like Stephen, we can fix our eyes on that author and perfecter of our faith. That one who has obtained and will grant us a crown of perpetual victory. Our hearts need to be strengthened this morning. Strengthened with the fact that as we exchange our crown of thorns, there is therefore the obtaining of a crown of perpetual victory. And that victory being perpetual starting today. Let's stand to our feet. We're going to have a time of victorious worship here together. I guess really, is there any other kind that we ever have? Of course, the altars are going to be open if you need to if you need to come down and understand that you have to be going towards the goal of having your eyes on a perpetual crown of victory. I think it'll do us good today to worship so wholeheartedly, to have our hands raised and actually stand and trust that what he has for us is a crown of perpetual victory. That he's going to help you to conquer. That he's going to help you to walk in the right attitude, to walk in the right existence, to walk in the right actions, so that you can move forward and actually be victorious in every area of your life. If you still have areas that are unconquered, the altar is open. But for us, the rest of us in this room, I want you to worship I want you to show God that it matters that you've heard what He's been saying to us. That you're able to lift your hands. That you're able to lift your eyes to Him today. Come on, let your faith rise. Raise your hands today. Raise your voices today. Mighty God, that you will help us to have the attitude that reflects the victory of the heavens. God, as we raise our hands, as we raise our hearts, God, as we raise our voices to you, God, 
Move upon us, Lord. We are trusting that you have a crown of victory for us. That we will be victorious. That we will be victorious. That we will receive a crown. Mighty God, move in us. Move in us. Let the faithlessness, the sickly pursuits, Lord, fall away. Lord, we are a people who are empowered by your spirit. We are led by your word. God, and we are entering into your presence now. Lord, we love you. God, we worship you wholeheartedly.